it is not just um, uh, the opinion of Maddie and I that this is such a precious time, but the Buddha said that living 24 hours with mindfulness moment to moment is more precious than living 100 years without it. That's how precious and rare this practice is. And for us to come together from so many different life experiences and backgrounds streaming into this space is really such, such a thing to be in awe of. In the middle of all of our incredibly full and busy lives. I mean, I, I, we don't need to hear each other's details to know how much we hold in each of our lives. And yet you've created that space for this intention to explore who you are, who we are. And really part of that exploration of who we are is to really acknowledge all the aspects of ourselves, whether it's from different familial backgrounds, familial of, 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 of birth or of choice, of different cultures, different races, different ethnicities, non-gendered and gendered communities, communities of different abilities, different economic levels, educational levels, to really invite all of who you are into this space and not leave any of your aspects behind. Just allowing that sense of ease that you don't just create for yourself, but that you create for all of us. We get so many external messages, as Maddie was referring to, that tells us that we are less than or not deserving or, or uh, inadequate. And often we internalize those messages. We have, we, we, the external conditioning creates these multiple glass ceilings inside that practice actually invites us to see through and shatter because they're really illusory. That our experience of who we really are is not dependent on any external messages that are given to us. That that profound question, who am I? is not a question that you just answer. It actually arises over and over again. Who am I really? And the expansive nature of that question invites us into who are we really? Who are we as queer communities gathering to practice? What is it like to be in this human life? It requires that kind of safety and acknowledging that I'm sure that all of you have felt that there is no space in this life that's 100% safe. So the, the invitation is to create a space that's safe enough, safe enough that we can extend 
ourselves, to learn, to grow, to stretch, to be with each other in ways that, that um, we may not have seen before. That's the invitation also of freedom, to be able to be with the beautiful diversity of life, because that's where life gets created. That's where the juice is, 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 is in the confluence of things, in the, the meeting of the ocean with the land, in, in the, in the, in the um, meeting of the forest and the plain. That's where the biodiversity and that's where the human diversity emerges. Part of that creating that safe enough container is invoking and weaving the refuges and the precepts. These are um, uh, traditional practices that have been um, offered to us for as long as the Buddha's teachings have been around. And what I love about when I was practicing in Asia um, was told to me is, is that when we invoke the refuges and you can feel the intention for safety in the word refuge, that someone else in this world is always invoking them at the same time. They are that universal. And as you feel into the possibility of these refuges, I actually don't believe that they're um, localized to Buddhist practice. I think that they are, that they are universal callings of, of the human heart, regardless of the spiritual tradition that you practice in. The opening they provide, there are so many paths to get there, but it's the same kind of opening. And so the first refuge, the refuge that's often called the refuge of the Buddha, is really the possibility of an open mind and a clear heart. The possibility that our, our lives can be lived with greater freedom. That this is what the, the Buddha offered, and that he said he would not teach that which we could not do. He, did, he would not teach that which is not possible. And that this possibility of um, greater freedom in our life, which isn't so much a you know, destination to get to, it's a process that we, that we live Sokni Rinpoche calls enlightenment is not some place to go, but just small moments many times. And then all of a sudden you have that which you were looking for. And that this, this possibility is supported by these teachings, the second refuge in the Dharma. The Dharma is the Sanskrit for um, teachings or um, the way things are or in this case reference um, uh, the guidance or the invitations that the Buddha offered that you know we're in in the western world in the western world we're so empirically focused you know like all right prove it to me and 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 that proof comes in the experience of billions of practitioners before us literally, across 
innumerable cultures this, this tradition has come through in the, in the last 2,600 years. That, that, you know, even if you do the arithmetic of, of, of um, the last 100 years, there are four generations and, and you know, you're related to 32 beings in the world. And over a thousand years, you know, we're related to 2.2 trillion people. You know, that, that these billions of people that have practiced before us have gotten a sense of freedom. That's, that's the support that we have to take this practice even further. They say that these teachings have 84,000 gates, doors, into your freedom. We're not required to walk through all 84,000. What you're invited to do is to walk through the door that is most open to you. where you feel the most comfort and to see for yourself where it leads because there is a way in which these teachings are holographic that you go through the door of one teaching and you begin to see another and another and another and with those accumulation of invitations there is greater freedom but through your own experience and that the last refuge is exactly what you are creating here. And that is the refuge of community, the refuge of Sangha, which is that Sanskrit word. That, you know, especially in the West, we have this very peculiar conditioning that I should be able to do this by myself. It's uh, about my breath, it's about, you know, um, uh, how I'm feeling internally, noticing the internal experience. But really, this practice is not meant to be done alone. And in fact, it's very difficult to do it in isolation. You see the schedule that's there. And, you know, it's an interesting challenge to, for you to see if you could do it at home, by yourself, with the distractions of, you know, the iPod or the internet or the, or the refrigerator or whatever it is. Just by being here, we are supporting each other to keeping coming back to the practice over and over again in a way that is, would be so difficult to manifest by ourselves. And that's how the Buddha designed the, the traditional monastic container, is, is that the, the nuns and the monks offered these invitations into freedom. But... They walked for their food every day. And that's the, that was part of the, the container of the relationship between the, the lay and the monastic communities. That monks and nuns were not allowed to cook for themselves. They weren't allowed to store food overnight. They're not allowed to buy food. They have to walk for their food every day as a reminder that we are all interconnected, that we are all interrelated, and that we are all interdependent regardless of who we are upon each other. This is, again, 
a universal truth in the classic way that Dr. Martin Luther King expressed. In a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I cannot be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. That is the interrelated nature of reality. And as we feel into the intentions of the refuges to create this container, we weave the precepts, we weave mindfulness trainings of non-harm to create that sense of safe enough space for all of us. These are practices. They are not, you know, um, um, hard and fast rules. They are invitations to see what is true for your heart. What is true for your experience around non-harm in the world and creating greater peace and love? So just feeling your way into the words that I'm going to offer. Aware of the suffering caused by violence, I undertake the training to refrain from killing or committing violence towards other living beings, and I will attempt to treat all beings with compassion and loving kindness. The second precept, the second training. Aware of the suffering caused by theft, I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not freely given. I will attempt to practice the, the, the gentleness of letting go and generosity. Feeling how that even affects us that as we leave our belongings in our rooms, in the meditation hall, and having the confidence to return there, knowing that they, the items will still be there, just allows us to have a little bit more ease. Not needing to defend with any worry or anxiety. The third precept, aware of the suffering caused by sexual misconduct, I undertake the training to refrain from using sex in ways that are harmful to myself and others. And in the context of this retreat and this weekend, really this training is, is, is inviting the energy to go inward for us to explore what is this creative energy of sexuality and eroticism, if it should arise and not to actually connect with the object of that energy, but to really explore it as, as part of your, 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 your life and to hold the safety of both yourself and especially your companions on this path so that the intention is to be celibate this weekend.
aware of the suffering caused by harmful speech, I undertake the training to refrain from lying, from harsh speech, from slander, from idle speech. And for the purpose of this retreat, we enter collectively into this practice of noble silence. And really, I want to emphasize the nobility of the silence. See if you can feel the intention behind that word, because silence, especially for marginalized communities, can be used repressively. It can be used as a form of denial. It can be used as a form of oppression. Silence equals death is part of our culture. And to acknowledge that the intention behind this silence is very different. That this silence is meant to expand. It's meant to expand our awareness into who we are beyond the social means of communication, the, the, the ease of being able to connect through our minds or our preferences, but to really begin to get to know ourselves and each other in that nonverbal way, which, in another word, can be called intimate. There's an intimacy that the silence invites us into, that you will get to know the people around you by the rhythm of their breath, by the way that they're walking, by gestures of how they um, have their meal. Who else in the world besides close family or partners do you have that opportunity to get to know on that level? And how many times in our external queer communities that are often distressed, do we have that space of silence to explore that kind of intimacy? That's the nobility of this silence. And the last precept, aware of the suffering caused by alcohol and drugs, I undertake the training to refrain from misusing intoxicants that confuse and dull the mind. I will cultivate, I will attempt to cultivate a clear mind and an open heart. Refraining from things that cloud the mind. And so the invitation is to whatever that is, not just the substances, the chemical substances that, that is traditional. But we know what is what pulls us and distracts us, whether it's the technology, whether it's the cell phone, whether it's the need to communicate out there. The out there will always be out there. And it'll be out there on Monday afternoon. And so the invitation is to give yourself this gift. This gift to really explore what is true for you so that you can take that as a foundation of your experience into the work that you do in the world, into your relationships, so that it begins to transform your world. And when you do that, you transform our world. 
Thich Nhat Hanh has this beautiful passage that connects our intention to our intention of this theme in in this weekend of the, tr- the possibility of transforming ourselves towards freedom and how that relates to transforming our world. When you break through to the truth, compassion springs up like a stream of water. Don't wait for things to change around you. You have to practice liberating yourself. Then you will be equipped with the power of compassion and understanding, the only kind of power that can help transform an environment full of injustice and discrimination. You have to become such a person, one who can embody tolerance, understanding, and compassion. You transform yourself into an instrument for social change and change in the collective consciousness of humankind. That is how important what we do here is for the rest of our communities and the world. So we know that many people have traveled long distances to get here and that um, it's been a long week. It's the end of the week. So we want to enter the silence just for a bit before we um, um, close the evening and just feel the invocation of the refuges and the precepts as support for your experience here together. So just inviting yourself to come into a place that you can be both alert and relaxed. And just finding a a posture that is comfortable so that we can invoke the silence and begin the weekend, feeling the energy of the words that have been shared this evening just gently fall away. Perhaps there's an energy of dullness or tiredness as the evening moves on. Just noticing how the body is for you in this moment. Not needing it to be any way other than it is. Feeling the contact of the body against the chair or the floor. the placement of the hands. And inviting your awareness to rest in the sensations of your inhale and your exhale. 
just allowing the awareness to notice the ebb and flow, how the body breathes itself without any extra effort on your part. And even in this short time, if you find that the attention is pulled away from the breath, either by physical feelings, sensations, drowsiness, 
or whether the mind is still active with thoughts, planning, worry. None of these are problems. Simply noticing where the mind has wandered and inviting yourself not to judge anything about your experience. Simply noticing and being aware. And very gently inviting the mindfulness back to the sensations of your inhale and your exhale. That invitation back to the breath is as soft and gentle as the breath itself. Simply noticing that experience. And as you notice that experience, that's a moment of waking up. As soon as you notice that the mind has wandered, you're actually being mindful. Not needing to have any interpretation of that experience. not needing to judge yourself or the practice. And just coming back to the sensations of the breath, that energy of breath that gives you the energy of your life.
in the last few minutes of this brief sitting period, reconnecting with the intentions you expressed at the very beginning of the evening, remembering that which drew you to this weekend, those aspirations to explore and be curious about what would benefit your life, what would benefit our lives. Appreciating what you've done to manifest those intentions by creating the space to come here and feeling the goodness, the value, the benefit of your aspirations and intentions. Appreciating yourself, appreciating the intentions and aspirations of everyone in this room. Collectively, what would the world look like if we could live and manifest those intentions with an open heart and a freer mind? Offering the goodness of this practice for the benefit of ourselves, those that are close and dear to us, people we know and don't know, communities that we are connected to, communities that we are distant from across this world, spanning all worlds in all directions for all of their freedom. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.